you have your Bibles, we'll be in First Peter today. Uh, it's a little difficult to find, so uh, just because this is short, right? If uh, Hebrews, James, and you're going to be in First Peter. If you're in First, Second, Third John, you're real close. Revelation, you're real close. Just go the other way. If you're in Psalms, you're nowhere near it, but that's okay. You'll find it eventually. First Peter. We're going to be in chapter two today. I love that song so much. Uh, I remember the first time I heard it. Uh, so, so the situation, how we work things is uh, people find songs and we kind of like, it, it's hard to get a song done at BCC because it has to go through so many layers. And so sometimes I'll find a song and I'm like, can we do this song? And so like, I send it to like a group of people and like, I'll get a message back from like Lindsay or somebody going like, well, Chris, where are we, we could probably find a banjo player and a spoons guy, but like, where are we going to get a full choir and a horn section? Like, idiot. And uh, she's nicer than that about it, but uh, that's how I feel. I'm like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I can't, we don't have that. And then sometimes I'll get like a message back that's like, you know, like, that's good. We're going to need to rewrite it. And, and uh, I sent that song to several people uh, and I got a text back. Uh, uh, after I sent that song out, it says, uh, from, not from Lindsay, but from uh, somebody else, and they said, uh, hey, what the heck, I'm on vacation, I'm sitting in an airport, been weeping for 10 minutes. Like, and I was like, yeah, like me too. Like, uh, what is Jesus like? He runs after the broken ones. Uh, and wherever you are, he has time. You're not out of time. And uh, I got emotional just then. All right, let's move on. Uh, I want this morning, we're gonna talk about uh, what we're made for. Um, beginning of the year, I have, I'm doing my best to fix uh, my diet, to get better habits in place in my diet. I did not finish strong the end of the year uh, in, in my eating habits. Uh, so I'm trying to get better eating habits. Uh, and sometimes we do things that we know we're not made for, right? Like I know when it's like 1.30 in the morning and I'm trying to find that seventh pack of gummies that I know's in the pantry somewhere, right? Like six was not enough. I need that seventh pack uh, and I have to settle for Cheez-Its. I know that's not what I'm made for. Like, I know it, but I'm doing it anyway. And sometimes you do things that you think you're made for that you're really not, right? Like for example, running. Like I, I, I think that I'm not made for running. Every time I run, I'm like, why would anyone do this? I think the reason God invented cars is so we would not have to do this. I hate it so much. I hate running with the intense white hot passion of a thousand sons. And I'm like, I'm not made for this. Clearly I am. Like, I have legs, right? Like, I can run. Like, it's, it's a thing that I can do. Uh, but I'm like, I'm not built for this. And then you'll do things that I'm like, oh man, this is, I had uh, dinner, dinner this week uh, and it was ridiculous. It was extravagant. It was embarrassing. That's how good it was. Like, it was so good, I was embarrassed that I was there having this meal. It was that good. There were truffles involved in multiple dishes. Like, it was insane. And I thought, well, this is what I'm made for. Clearly not. I'm not built for Like I can't do that every day. We, we, we think what we're made for. I realize that, that as we kind of go through life, we have this idea of the places that we feel like, well, this is for me. This is what I'm like. And I'm not like this. And it's a little easy for us to settle in. And really what we often mean, if you look at my life, what I really, often really mean is I like this and I don't like this. Not that this is what I was made for, but this is what I like. Not that I, this, I, I wasn't made for this, but I don't like this, right? That's typically what I mean. I think that I'm made for the things that I like, and I'm not made for the things that I don't. Uh, and the reality, I think, at 47, looking back on my life is, that doesn't hold up. That's just not true. That's not been true. The things that I like aren't always good for me. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure if you ran the math, most of the things that I like are either bad for me or useless, 
But scripture is so beautiful, the light that it casts on what we are built for and what we are made for. It's such good news. We hear it so often as bad news because it falls into the, don't like that category. So I'm not made for that. But so often, so many of the things that we just don't like, we don't like them because they hurt, we don't like them because they're hard, but the Bible says so many of those things, you're made for them. So let's just dig in, let's talk about this, it's so cool. You know what, actually before that, I wanna do this. I wanna talk about what we've done this past year before we talk about what we're gonna do this year because it has to do with what we're made. In, in this past year, I, don't, I realize that not everybody gets to see all of the things that we get to do as a church. And, and the reason it's important to me that you know these things is because you participate in these things. You are participants by your showing up, by your prayer, by your giving, by all of the things that you do to be part of this church. You are a part of it. So I want you to know about a lot of the things that we've done. So this year, as we think about who we are and what we've done and what we're made for, I want you to talk, to talk about what we as a church have done. You, we get, we're able to give this year uh, to a, a ministry called 2414. It's a foreign, it over, operates overseas. Uh, and, and through, we were able to supply, uh, help, uh, there were Afghan, Afghan refugees, I think, that were able, they needed money. I, I, we didn't know exactly what, but we trust the guy on the ground that leads 2414. He said we needed the money. And we had it, so we were able to minister and release believers in Christ overseas. We were also able to help them with some stuff they needed uh, to, to do additional ministry. And what 2414 does is they just, they press on, they, they encourage, they equip believers in parts of the world that they're not supposed to necessarily be in. How about that? Uh, they press in, 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 anyway, I can't say much about it, uh, but I want you to know that the gospel is going forward overseas because of a church it's just amazing that, you, that, that we get to be a part of that. Uh, also, uh, domestically, as our part of being part of Harbor Network, which is the network that we're a part of, it's a church planting network, uh, in five different states, uh, 13 brand new churches were planted this year. And you participated in that. We participated in that together. In, in Florida and in Idaho, in West Virginia, uh, and uh, where else? Ohio and Louisiana. Churches planted in those cities, new gospel-centered places that proclaim Jesus week in and week out. Uh, locally, uh, we were able to contribute to Grace's Kitchen. It's an organization that feeds the homeless. Uh, when we sponsored the, uh, Hoop, the Bluff Park 8K, when we came out here and passed out water and we gave to be a sponsors of that, what we were doing was we were giving to this kitchen that feeds the homeless locally in downtown Birmingham. Uh, also, uh, we were able to give groceries and help people out in need uh, that needed rent or, or some kind of immediate uh, assistance. We as a church were able to do that. We, I think, five times already this year, and we're going to do it another four or five times uh, once a month, we've packed 50 meals for students in need that parent, the teachers are worried kids are not going to have enough food over the weekend. And you guys have brought macaroni and cheese and protein bars and little cups of fruit and all these things each month so that we were able to fill up these bags for 50 different kids each week or once a month. Uh, we've been given uh, two, uh, uh, two different uh, times we've been able to give to First Priority, uh, a local ministry that equips kids to share their faith themselves inside of their schools. And we also were able to help out give Christmas gifts at Restoration Academy. It's a place that Brandy uh, leads a Bible study with a young group of girls. She's been doing that for years and years and years. Sloan did it, Wendy used to do it. Uh, so it's a great organization uh, that... Uh, it does amazing, amazing things, and we were able to do that. 
Internally, we've been able to provide counseling uh, to people that in, in need of it. Uh, we've been able to minister to so many hurting people. And, and the thing that I think that matters maybe most to me, although it's hard to prioritize such things, but maybe the thing that just hits me is the things that maybe would never, ever make it into a talk like this, which is seeing people forgive other people when their feelings were hurt. I know that doesn't sound like a big thing, right? Like when you're like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, forgiving, yeah, I know. Let me tell you right now, I've been doing this for 11 years, past for 11 years. People forgiving each other is amazing. It's amazing. Oh, your feelings were hurt? Jesus had strong feelings about what you should do right now. It's the ABCs of Christianity, but it is also the X, Y, and Z. It is the beginning and the end. I heard it said before, it is the introduction course. It's also the PhD class. Loving one another and forgiving one another. That, I've seen that happen in this community, and it has brought me to tears. People growing in their love and their trust of Jesus, caring for one another, all of that has happened. That does not also on top of that, serving the church people, we have teams that keep the grounds clean. That's not a service that we pay. People, volunteers from the church do that. Uh, they uh, clean each week. A team comes and they clean up everything, the bathrooms and the vacuum. It's amazing. There's teams that serve in the back, teams that serve, uh, a huge team that serves within the kids, uh, teams that, that write and read. All of these volunteers serving the church. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And this has all happened in the past year. That does not count the number of people that, do, that are in this church that are doing ministries of their own. I would start naming them, some of them woven and, and first priority and so many others that people do ministry on their own. That, that, oh man, it's just what an absolute blessing and a gift to be a part of a church that does these things. And here's why we do that. Here's why we do these things. Um, it's because of Jesus. That's why we do them. We do them because of Jesus. We do them because of who he is and who he's made us to be. And so that's why we do those things and that's why we'll continue to do these things because we were made for it. We were set apart to do these things. So that's what I talk about today. First Peter. Where am I at? My sermon hasn't started yet. It doesn't count. First Peter 2. Verse one says this, so put away all malice and all deceit. All right, hold on a sec, stop. So it says so, right? So when it says so, it means based on the thing that I just said, right? So let's back up just a little bit. Can we go to verse 122? Let's back up to verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, so it says this, so you've purified your souls. You've been made right with God. Your souls have been made right with God because you've aligned yourself to the reality revealed in Jesus Christ, right? So you've aligned your reality by faith. You've aligned yourself in your life with the reality that we see in Jesus, that he's revealed to us. For a, sincerely, for, for a sincere brotherly love, you've been set apart for this thing. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. Grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 
And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So because this has happened to you, because this is what you were like, because he's writing to people who said we align our lives and our heart with this Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, we've been made new, imperishable seed now, eternal life through Jesus. We've aligned our thinking and our feeling and, and our believing to the reality that has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ, that we were made for a thing. And he says you're set apart for this brotherly love. So because that is true, back to chapter two. So put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobeyed the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once, you're not a, you were not a people, but now... You're God's people. Once you had no, not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I'm gonna keep going. Uh, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is about what it means to be a believer what it means to be a believer in a world hostile to God's ways. He's writing to a group of people, this guy named Peter is writing to a group of people who are being persecuted, and he's writing to them about what it means, like you've been called out of darkness into this marvelous light, then how are we supposed to be? Basically what he's writing about is how it means, what it means to be church. In my life, looking back and, and, and growing up in church and, and, and kind of being in and out of church uh, multiple times in my life and, and talking to other people, here, here's what I realized. Uh, church can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And church for, uh, for sure can have different expressions, but I think it, it means a different people. There were times in my life where church was basically, that's where my friends are. Like, I was all kind of eager to go to church. Seemed really holy, but I just wanted to play basketball with my friends, right? Like, I wanted to go and see them and be there and hang out with them, which is not a bad thing, but it's not church. Because you could say, like, church is about community, and it is. Church is about community. It's where my people are. It's where I, the people that I love being around, it's where they are. But here's the thing. If that's all church is, I don't know if that's actually church. If church is just a group of people that I enjoy being around, I don't know if that's actually the community that God's talking about building. It's more than just that, I would say. I think that sometimes church is the place that we go when, you know, when things are going good. 
when we got it together, when we finally got our life back on track, church is the place that we go and we live. Live out and show people that everything's going good. And, and I hope that's true. I hope church is a place that we come to when our life is going good and we come to worship God. But if we only go when life is going well, I don't think that's church. I think to be church, it has to be a place that you go when my life is falling apart. At least that's what it's for. I think that sometimes we think of church as a place where we go and people just believe the things that I believe and we just all get along. That has not been my experience of church. What church is, is these people that have been called out of darkness into a marvelous light based on who Jesus is and what he's done, this cornerstone that God has laid, this foundation, this firm foundation, he's laid this, and we go, it's where the people of God come to worship God, to be the people of God. But it's also a place where you can come with questions, I think that we think, well, that's where the people of God are, and I just have questions, so maybe I should stay away. Hey, you know what? I have no problem with people asking questions about Jesus, about eternity, about the Bible, but I want you to ask them here, among the people of God. If you ask them out there, I know what answer you're going to get. Come ask them here and come wrestle with them here. I felt like church was a place for people who had everything figured out. There was a time in my life when I'm like, I just don't know I have questions, and so I pulled away from church as I was trying to sort through those, sort through those things, and I realize now, looking back, that it was a very dangerous place that I was in, pulling away to try to find the answers about who God was. The best place to ask your questions is in the presence of God. It's a place where we invite people. Yes, it's a place for the people of God who are children of God, but it's also a place that people can come and ask questions. It's a place for people whose life isn't all together. It's a place for people who can come who don't even really know what they think and believe to figure it out. We are the church, the children of God, but we are a place where we invite others into that so we can, so that, because we want them to see the beauty and the glory of this. So that's what he's describing here. He says this at the beginning of this. He says, because of all these things, because you've been given eternal seed, because you've made of eternal seed, because this is the good news you received, he says, put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. These are relational things. Put away malice. Malice is me being angry at someone else, me disliking or hating someone else. Deceit is me manipulating someone else by telling them things that aren't true. Uh, Hypocrisy is me lying about who I am. Envy is me desiring what you have, and slander is me saying bad things about you. Peter starts off and says, in this world that you live in, you have been called out of this darkness into this place where you can put away these things. Here's what he's saying. You don't need them anymore. You don't need them anymore. Once you use these things to position yourself, to, to, to make yourself certain that you had value, to, to, to manipulate and control people and how they felt, to put yourself in a good position, and he says this, because you've been born of eternal seed, because you are now children of God, you don't need those tools anymore. You can put them down. Because I don't know if you've ever been involved in these types of things. The reality is we, we do them, we think we need to act this way. Sometimes we need to be hypocritical sometimes and pretend that we're something that we're not. Sometimes we, need to, we think we need something that that person has and sometimes we need to say bad things about that person to make me feel better. And sometimes we feel like we need those things and here's the reality, it never feels that good. It might in the moment to say that negative thing make me feel good, get a laugh behind their back. But over time, is that really the person that I want to be? 
It's not shaping us to be who we want to be. And Peter's saying, hey, here's the deal. Because you've now inherited these things, you've been brought into this new way of living, you don't need those things anymore. You can put those tools down. There's all new ways of being in the world. Church can mean a lot of different things, but it is a place of love. It's a place where that is the thing that guides us. We've been changed by aligning our lives to the reality, what was revealed in Jesus, and he says that we've been set apart to love one another the way that God intended humans to love, and that we've been born with an internal nature in the core of that nature the essence of that nature, the center of that nature is love. He's putting things back together. You look at the story at the beginning of of what happened in the garden. Right after the garden, when sin enters the world, the first thing that happens, Adam and Eve, who have been just so comfortable with one another, so together, so on the same page about everything, the first thing that happens is a wedge is driven between them. And then you get to Cain and Abel, and envy creeps in, and a wedge is driven, to the, driven in between them to the point that, that one brother kills another brother. And then it just spills out in the rest of the story of this sin and brokenness that separates humans. And he says, you've been brought into this church, you can put away all of those things that you used to use to hang on and to be okay, and instead, you can now be different. You're now a child of God. And he says, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that you may grow up to salvation. What we want to be as a church is Birmingham Community Church. We want to be, the phrase that I love to use, uh, and I can't remember who I stole it from. If I could, I'd give give them credit. But uh, an outpost of hope. I love that phrase because it reminds me that there's a world that is in desperate need of hope. So we get to be, it was Webster, it was Doug Webster who said Outpost of Hope. That was his book, my bad. So anyway, Doug Webster wrote this book, Outpost of Hope. So we want to be an outpost of hope, a place in the world where people can look and when they wonder what life's supposed to be like, when things feel out of control, they can look at the church and look at us as BCC and go, those people seem to have hope. A outpost, I love that image because it's a, an outpost is a, it's a, it's a place that represents another place in a foreign land. It operates by the rules of the other land, but it's located in enemy territory. That's what we are. A heavenly, a place that follows heavenly rules, that values heavenly things in a world that is hostile to it. And we have hope. That's what we're going to be, an outpost of hope. The reason we do these things, the reason that we will give and serve and love and all of these things is because we want to be this outpost of hope. We've put away all of these things that divide us and instead, like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. So we'll be a place, this church, this outpost of hope, we be a place that makes disciples. That's what this growing up is. Um, the longing for pure spiritual milk is you no longer need to feed off of those old things. There's now a new thing for you to feed off of. We will grow as disciples, maturing as disciples. We want to see ourselves grow. We want to see other people grow. We want to invite other people in to growing into being more like Jesus, to grow into being followers of Jesus. My way of thinking about uh, growth has changed. I used to think maturity was just this thing that you achieved, 
upright, like one day I was just gonna hit this age and everything was gonna be okay. I grew up thinking my parents had everything figured out and I kind of couldn't wait to be their age when everything was gonna be fine, right? Turned out that wasn't true. That was a scam they were running. After we went to bed, things fell apart, I guess. No, but like I, I, the older I get, the more I hoped that all of these things that plague me, all these things that I struggle with, that they would get, they would just go away and I would reach this point of maturity. And here's what I realize now. Maturing is a constant process for the Christian every day for the rest of your life. Struggling and growing and here, here's what it is. And here's why I love to think about it this way. Uh, here's, here's what it is. It, it is, I believe that this is what maturity is. Maturity is this. Uh, brace yourselves. Uh, it says this. It's, uh, uh, Jesus says don't do a thing that you want to do, and you just go ahead and don't do it. Or, Jesus says do a thing you don't want to do, and you just go ahead and do it. And here's why I like that way of thinking about it. Because it applies to every single believer, no matter, matter where you are. I think that we just, I got to this place where I believe that you had matured to this place. You were a teacher or a pastor or an elder, just this, this, just these godly, godly people, and you would look at them and go, I want to get there one day. And then some things happened in, in life, and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, but Jesus said do this, but I'm not going to. Uh, and I had questions all of a sudden. There will never, my, my father, he was, when he was, had cancer, he said to me, my dad was kind of like, uh, he didn't really, we didn't have these like long, deep talks, but every now and then he would just like say a thing and then walk out of the room that like you left to think about for a month. Happened like nine times in my life, but one of them was like, he were just talking, he was had cancer and he said, just out of nowhere, we're just standing there and, talk, and he just looked at me and he says, son, it's interesting that I've lived my whole life following Jesus, how scared of death I am. I was like, what? And then he just kind of walked out of the room. I was like, What? Like, now I have to live with this? Like, I have to think about this now? Like, like I think of all the things, my fears are all gonna go away one day, and I'm gonna grow in my confidence, so confident that, that I won't have any fears, and then go like, no, there's gonna be things as you age and as you mature, there are gonna be challenges as a youth that aren't there anymore, but there will always be new ones, because the devil is constantly waiting to tempt you. Constantly waiting to trap us. Constantly using where we are in life to try to trap us. And so maturity is, no matter where you are in life, whether you were a big baby Christian where you're just learning how, or you have been living this way for 40, 50, 60 years, no matter where you are in life, maturity means this. Maturing means this. But Jesus said do it. Well, okay. Jesus said don't do that. Okay. Sounds really simple, doesn't it? I've been working on it for a real long time. It's not going great most days. But I'm working on it. It's just maturing and giving ourselves over to his authority. And it says this, that this is just how we're supposed to be. I think that I'm not built for these things, right? When Jesus says don't do a thing, I'm like, but how how can you not want me to do this? It's what I'm made for. No, it's not. It's not what you're made for. And he'll say, hey, I need you to do this over here. There's no way I'm doing that. I'm not built for that. And the reality is that we are made for it. That's how it can be good news. It's just counterintuitive that maturing means struggling most of the time, which is one of the reasons why it's a beautiful thing that we've been given this community. As you yourselves come to him, 
a living stone, talking about Jesus, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So he says this. He says, listen, not only is this a place for maturity and where discipleship happens, but also what church is going to be, it's, it's a place where you're being built together with other believers. What he's describing is the building of a temple, a house of worship. And he's talking about Jesus being the, the cornerstone, the thing that, that guides and lines how everything else will go, but also the thing that if you removed, everything else would fall down. There is no building up a spiritual house without Jesus as the cornerstone. And we are then lined up. Now here's what that requires. It often requires, as we're building up and you're laying stones, it requires a chisel. It requires things grinding against each other. Here's the thing. I think that I was made for complete and total comfort. The Bible seems to think that I was made for friction. Uh, The rubbing up against other people that changes us, that that shaves off the sharp edges. I want to just avoid those situations. Hey, man, that person's just really, really difficult. Yes, that's because you need to learn patience. Go go, go be in the relationship. Love them. Some of the relationships that I have that surprise me, that I hold hold dearest, that, that I hold dearest, are relationships that began with either me struggling to love that person or that person struggling to love me, but through perseverance, God has fitted us together in this house that he's building. Isn't that amazing? That he works that way? And, and, and don't you know that? from We know that from every, every, every other area of life. There is no growth anywhere in life without friction. There's always going to be friction. There's always going to be resistance that has to be overcome for there to be any kind of growth anywhere. It's a miracle and a beautiful thing that God uses in so many ways, the community that he places us in to build us up into what, he's gonna be, what we're gonna be. And here's the other thing about the community that he's building. It's far more wonderful and far more beautiful than you and I could ever produce on our own. This house of dysfunctional rocks that don't look like they fit together, it says that Jesus is building them up into a place of spiritual worship. The house of God where people can know that this outpost of hope that you can go, and it's there that these people know God. So it's discipleship. It is worship. The people of God singing the songs of God in the presence of God. That's what we're gonna continue to do this year. The other thing that we're gonna continue to do besides, uh, besides community and worship is missions. We're going to continue to serve. And by missions, what, I mean, what we mean here at BCC is uh, uh, overseas, yes. Around the United States, yes. Locally in the neighborhood, yes. Inside this church, yes. One another, yes. What we mean by mission is that God has placed us in this world and it's not just on a ride, but somehow, that we're not just kind of riding out our time here, white and knuckling it to the end. What we've actually done is that he's placed us here to do the work of Jesus in the world. Isn't that amazing? And I think that we think, well, right, if I have time, if I can figure out how to fit that in, oh, it's just another task on my schedule. It's gonna be so difficult and so hard for, us to, for me to do. But here's what I think I believe. I, I think I believe this now. It's just kind of what we were made for. That we experience the grace of God when we serve in the places that he's put us. And for different ones, it's for different, it's gonna be different for each of us. But God has placed us in these places to serve, to serve the, this body, specifically BCC, to serve this neighborhood that we've been placed in, to serve the state that we're in, to serve this nation that we're in, to serve this world that, that we're in, to be an outpost of hope that worships together, that is in community together, that sings together, that serves together. 
This picture that he's painted here, that Peter's painted, is so far from any kind of individualistic view of a Christian walk. It's just so far. It's this absolute necessity of there being a, of us doing it together. The Christian life being a life that is just lived together. And what a gift that is. It's what we're made for. Here's the deal. I know that it's hard. If it wasn't hard, there probably wouldn't be much growth. If it was just easy, everything agreed, no one ever got their feelings hurt, everything was just perfect, and I was, then if that was the case, man, I don't think that place exists. But if it did, man, it'd come apart easy. Those places, those stones wouldn't fit together well. There would be no growth in a place like that. We get to be challenged in how we serve. We get to be challenged in community. We get to be challenged in worship. I think one of the most powerful things that we can do, part of our discipleship process, right? Part of being discipled, I mean, here is, I think worship. I think the power of worship and discipleship, corporate worship, when I mean worship, I mean specifically in this context, corporate worship, us coming together singing these songs. I think that's a powerful discipleship tool to align our hearts with the people of God as we sing the songs together. Uh, a buddy of mine uh, came and preached here one Sunday. I was actually here. We had him here preaching. Uh, I tell this story often, but it's so, it was such a moving thing. I don't mind sharing it again. Uh, he uh, was singing here, and he looked over, and he knew something going on in a young woman's life in the church, uh, and he saw her singing and tears rolling down her face, and he looked at me and said, I don't think I can preach next. Because some Sundays I come here and I don't want to sing the celebration songs. I only want to sing the confession songs. I don't want to sing, some Sundays I don't want to sing the confession songs. I only want to sing the celebration songs. And I come in here broken and hurt sometimes and I hear you guys, the people of God, saying the things of God in the presence of God and it changes me. The Spirit uses those things to work in my heart to change me is a powerful discipleship tool just to be in the same room singing the songs of the people of God in the presence of God. What a gift that we have. Here's the reality. Here's what I believe. The thing that we were made for, the thing that we were designed for, the ultimate chief end of our life, we were built to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what we were made for. And we do that together the reality is, is it's not always gonna feel like that's what we're built for. It's not gonna feel like this is what we're made for. Sometimes it's not gonna be the most fun thing that you could do. But it's what you're built for. It's how growth happens. It's how we change. It's how we grow in, you know, things like patience and joy and love and kindness and goodness and self-control. It's how we know more about grace. It's how we know about mercy it's, it's how we live these things out with each other, being built up together. It is beautiful. It's what we're made for. We, by lining our lives up with the reality revealed in who Jesus is because he came and he died and he rose from the dead, that means something. 
about what we do. It means something about who we are, that he has made us children of God, and not only has he, not only has we, are we part of him, made up in him, but he's knit us together with one another. With believers through time and space, yes, we say in the Apostles' Creed, uh, we believe in one Catholic church, meaning worldwide, that we believe in a church built on the single foundation of who Jesus is, that he is the cornerstone in every single believer. <laughs> They have come before us all around the world and those that will come after us. We are all part of this church being built up to be like Jesus, this one foundation. And we get to live that out in a specific context here at Birmingham Community Church. It's expressed in a specific way that this is the place that we get to do this and it has been a gift. It's not always been easy. But it's been a gift. To learn, to love, to be loved when I have failed What a beautiful thing. What an expression of what hope could be like. To express to a world that to love each other like Jesus loves, to to love when we fall down, when we struggle to be picked back up, when we have failed or when people have failed us to love anyway, this is how the world will know about him. Jesus said this, uh, near the end of his time on earth, he told his, disciple, told his disciples, it's gonna be by how you love one another that the world finds out about me. We get to do that. We get to do that, which sounds amazing until you realize what he's talking about is when you screw up and forgive one another, that's how they're gonna know about me. When you struggle and it's hard, that's how they're gonna know about me. It's the beauty of what we get to do. This is what we're gonna do. It's what we did in 2022. It's what we're gonna do in 2023 is we're going to pursue Christ and make much of Jesus week in and week out. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your son. Ugh. I thank you for your church, his body. In him we know that we have been made children of God. That we have been made in to something more than we could have ever dreamed of, that we are part of something bigger than we could have ever dreamed of. It seems like such a small thing to be a part of your church sometimes in my head, but you seem to paint it on a cosmic scale, that you were doing things in the world through your body, just in the simple act of practice of living life together. The simple practice of loving like humans were designed to love. What a gift this past year has been. And God, I pray as we go forward into the next year that we only grow, always anchored, always based on the foundation of who Christ is and what he has done. But in that, learning what it means to just, you know, die to ourselves every single day so that Christ may be made great among us. So that people will look at Birmingham Community Church and say, you know what? Jesus is great. Make us a place. Make us a place that loves, that weeps, that rejoices with each other like you did. A place that just, we just can't help to talk about, sing about, and be more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.